You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you, you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional hiking and hunting boot and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse and that is the navigator series now they have the women's windrows they have the men's windrows and then they have the atlas the atlas series within that as well so go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have i've been using mine for a couple weeks now and i am very impressed with the the fit and the feel and i can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run so lacrossefootwear.com check them out welcome to the southern ground hunting podcast i'm your host parker mcdonald and this is episode number 64 Today is extra special because we are getting to talk to some of the best public land southern deer hunters I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. We're talking with Jamie McKay and Michael Perry. This is the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. We're actually doing a live and in-person podcast with probably two guests that have been the most popular guests that that I've had. Drew, I mean, the only reason me and you really met was because of of, Mm -hmm. uh, one of these guys, because you were so just captivated by him. Yes. And it wasn't me. No, it wasn't you. <laughs> it wasn't no. me. No, we don't want to start comparing antlers. <laughs> yeah, like, well, let's, let's not do let's that. Let's not do that. We're but, sitting uh, around thousands of inches of antlers, oh, so yeah. we're not going to do that. But we've got uh, two returning guests, Mr. Jamie McKay and Mr. Michael Perry. How are you guys doing? Jamie? Doing good, doing good. Dude, you guys both just <clears throat> tore it up this year. Tagged out? Right? Tagged, Tagged out. out. Tagged out on some little bucks. Small ones. Small ones. Small not ones. Not nothing. Yeah. Small ones. No, definitely nothing to write home about, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie, you you just recently tagged out, right? Yep. Yeah. Last yeah. weekend. Mm-hmm. Man, I saw that and I was like, so here, here's my thing. So uh, if you're listening to this, I, I texted I texted y'all about the podcast. I guess earlier earlier this week, last week, sometime, and uh, I was actually sitting in a tree that day, whenever we were kind of finalizing it sitting in a tree and uh i said hey while i've got y'all how would you go about hunting late season and pretty much both of you said uh probably not hunting here (laughs) in this area and i was like well crap i thought jamie just killed one he just killed one last week but you ended up killing that at a different place which we don't have to name the place but you did end up going somewhere else right 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 yeah so um but, man, we're super excited to have you guys back. I think it's going to be a fun episode. I also have to publicly apologize to Jamie. Okay. Because I killed a buck last week on a greenfield in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> now, it was, it was not a mature buck, okay, by no stretch. It was He was a scrub. Um, and But I know last time we talked, you know, I said, I've never seen a mature buck on a greenfield in Alabama. Now, granted, I've only hunted here three years. 
And so he and wasn't a mature buck, but he I think, was a buck. I think my response to that was, uh, well, Jamie McKay killed a big buck on a green field once. Yes. Yes. So, so Jamie, I apologize. I need to <laughs> two of them? Yeah. Two of them. It does happen every now and then. Oh, every yeah. now and then. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. I don't know if everybody's seen the one in down south, that big monster. Mm. That 178 yeah. point? Yeah. It was on a greenfield in Marine, greenfield in Marengo County. Falling oh, wow. a doe. Wow. That thing was a whopper. That thing's huge, <laughs> man. Gosh, man. I watched the live scoring. The live scoring <laughs> of it, yeah. Mm. The thing was insane. He was an eight, wasn't he? Was mm -hmm. it? His mainframe eight with a sticker. They reconfirmed it today as the number one nine point in Alabama. The number three eight point was what was amazing. Gosh. So, so they, that's, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was the number three eight point. Yeah, because they score them as a typical. Right. And mm -hmm. if they got a, a abnormal point, they'll score them right. non-typical non too. And then I had one abnormal point to make it a nine. He had some brow times on him too. Yeah, that thing was. Man. He, had, he sure, had a bunch of everything. I thought for sure that was going to be the number one eight point, which I haven't really kept up with the record book at all. But well, uh, it's world class because something with fifteen inch G two, that's world class. Man. Yeah, that's big. Mm. But you actually gave it away, Drew. So we're not. This is. I mean, we're not going to record a separate intro. Like this is the intro to the mm. podcast. So uh, I was going to like. Like make it a real big deal about you filling a buck tag, and you oh, just kind of nonchalantly they, it was like, "I killed a deer." Well, because I mean, look at what we're surrounded <laughs> yeah, by. Don't matter. Yeah, okay, yeah, you don't matter. Know. But no, I I did kill one. He's, he's at the processor right now. I'm actually gonna butcher him up tomorrow. Nice. And so I'm, I'm gonna try my hand at it, and um, done it before, and um, and so then so I'm I was happy with him. Um, interesting. I was something uh, part of the counting, and um, there was uh, a six point and the spike come out. And they started just Tesla, you know, just um, um, locking up a little bit. And um, Antler started raking and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, he busts out of the woods, just comes flying out. And so <laughs> I guess it's a little secondary rut or something over there. But, I mean, he came he came ready for a fight and pushed all the other, I mean, those, those two bucks really? around. Yeah, he did. That's cool. He that did. So, cool. I mean, it's, it's cool to see them, you know, you, you always see it on TV. and But, like, to see them go at it like that and then to see one respond to that. Cause yeah. I've I've never had one come to horns, you know, rattling there mm -hmm. there in the stand, and um and I haven't done much of it, but this dude came out and he was ready to go. He's fired mm -hmm. up. He was. He was. I uh I've got a buddy that hunts out this same area that we all hunt, and he tagged out in December, <clears> I believe, uh, within like two, all within two weeks of each other, he killed three of his bucks, and all three of them are good bucks, and uh, the second one, I don't know, did y'all see that kid? Uh, he killed a 10-point out there, um, and he was a kid. His name's Jonah, um, and he killed a giant, I mean, it's a giant 10-point. Um, it was, I promise you, you probably. On far slam? Mm-hmm. Yeah, chocolate horn? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big one. That's out there where I hunt. Yeah. And uh, they, they, went, they were hunting together, him and, and, uh, and my buddy. My buddy had actually taken him out there. And he shot that buck. Wow. Well, the next weekend they go out there and he shoots another, that kid shoots another eight point, <laughs> a big one. And uh, I'm like, dude, why don't you take me hunting out there, dude? Come on. <laughs> but, uh, but they, what I was saying is they just went out and just started on the ground, just walking and rattling. Really? Wow. And they'd sit there and they both killed bucks that day hmm. doing that. Wow. Just walking and rattling, see a buck. If it wasn't what they wanted to shoot, just keep moving. Hmm. And they just covered a lot of ground rattling. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to do it if you're going to do it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, yeah, I just haven't heard of a whole lot of people doing that out here. Either. That's not really 
to me that I would always feel like, man, that's just going to spook everything. Yeah. That's my off. fear is, is, is causing more pressure on the more I'm hunting at. So mm-hmm. my dad loves rattling. And we rattled some. We rattled up a young bucket, Freedom Hills this year. I remember my wife. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a big buck come behind us. She was facing the cutover. We climbed the same tree. I was tagged out, so I was just going to help her watch. A doe come right by us, and I could see a buck down in 75 yards through the thicket. And then he just disappeared. We don't know what happened to him. So 30 minutes later, I rattled. Well, 20 minutes later, she said, Michael. So he was around. Here come a little four-pointer, six-pointer, something come eating. He'd come looking. He got a bunch of great stuff messing <laughs> around. So huh. we almost she almost shot him. Was, I would wait and see what. We didn't know where the other one went, but yeah. we never did see him again. But huh. So every now and then, we rattled one up. But well, I've never rattled a big one. But yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen uh, – I've seen a fight one time in Texas, which when you're in Texas hunting over corn feeders, it's kind of a community area, so you're going to see a whole lot more of that right. type of action. I've never, as far as I know, I don't think I've ever seen a fight on public. I've heard them, but I've never seen one uh, mm-hmm. out there. I've seen them spar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, tagged out. And the last one, he, he I mean, all of them were dandies, but, I mean, the last one was a, was a good one too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Eight point, ten point? Nine. Nine. Right in the middle. Missed it. Missed it. Missed it by five points. Missed it by five points. Eight, nine, and ten. Eight, nine, and ten. That's what you did. That's that's what it was this year? Mm-hmm. Eight, nine, and ten. Wow. Hmm. That's crazy. I, I like how Michael just a while ago, just like kind of nonchalantly, just like I was just there with her because I was already tagged out. You yeah. Know? yeah. So I was helping her. Yeah. <laughs> just I'm, trying to rub yeah, it in. Just, yeah. Just, I'm tagged out. I'm, I've hit him with my truck this year, <laughs> shooting five point, three points. I'm trying. <laughs> so, <laughs> man. So, uh, man, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of pretty good deer killed in our area, but um, this year. But, man, I mean, when I think about two guys that absolutely just get it done consistently. Year in, year out, you you guys and there's other people. Don't get me wrong. There are other guys out there that are that are doing it too. But y'all are kind of who comes to my mind. And you, Michael, I met you first, and uh, and you, I think, and I know so many people that have been like, you need to get Michael Perry on your show. You need to get him on the show. He he knows what he's doing. Um, but when we came here and interviewed interviewed you for that first one, what you said was, I'll tell you the guy that you need to get on is Jamie McKay. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, all right. So then we had Jamie McKay on for the Local Legends series, and, man, like it was both of those episodes, just people just ate up the information mm-hmm. that, y'all were, that y'all were spitting out. And so um, I thought, well, I, actually, this was kind of Drew's idea. Drew was like, what if we did kind of a roundtable-type conversation with Michael and Jamie and see how that, see how that goes? And I was like, man, yeah, well, let's do that. That sounds like a good idea. Especially getting here into the late season, I know for me it's really hard to find the motivation really to get out there at this point in the season. Well, but when I hear people talking who are as passionate and as really good at it as you guys are, it kind of gives me that extra motivation to push through to the end. You know, we got what eleven days left 11 in the days season. Left, yeah. right. It's really hard to go out there. And but when I hear somebody talking, man, it, yeah. It really kind of gives me that extra motivation. Speaking of that, Parker, I mean, there, there's tons of questions. Yeah. On, so before on you get into that, yeah. we 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 put out on Facebook yep. and Instagram, um, just hey, talking to these two guys. Do you have any questions uh, about the way that they hunt? And just to kind of give a, a mm-hmm. backstory, 
which we already did, kind of, but both of you guys tagged out, um, tagged out on really good deer. There's nothing, you know, small about them. Um, Jamie, yours was kind of spread apart. Uh, Michael, yours wasn't at all. It seemed two, like you two were of, like, two of them, what? you two were just like, boom, boom, boom. And it uh, was, and it was done. Um, and so I, you know, a lot of people, I saw the Alabama, uh, wildlife, whatever Facebook page shared that there was an article written about it. Um, man, there's just a lot of publicity cause you killed those two deer. What? Like two three, days, three days, three days apart, days apart. one with a bow and one with a gun. Mm-hmm. And, and just, I mean, giant deer. We don't talk, we don't talk a ton about score, but you told me the score of both of those. Can you say that again? The biggest one with the bow was the nine point was one forty one and six eighths, and then the ten point with the gun was one thirty seven and two eighths. Okay, both that's, very that's nice. That's good year. Mm. That's a good year. What what were yours? Hadn't taped none. Well, I taped the nine. He's in the mid one twenties, and hadn't put a tape on nothing else. And the nine was probably the smallest one, wasn't it? Mm. No, he's better than the eight. The the eighth, he just got a lot of character to him. Good bases, okay. good brows. Yeah. Still a good deer. Yeah, good. Yes. I mean, very good. Oh, all three really, really good deer. And I, and I want to also kind of explain this for anybody who don't know you guys and have maybe haven't maybe this is the first podcast they listen to or haven't listened to your podcast you guys were on. We're talking about um, mostly like heavy terrain feature properties, big woods, no ag for the most part. You're not going to find a lot of crops out out there no. um big woods steep terrain that's what you guys are kind of right mainly. quote unquote specialists in yeah. um <laughs> at the beginning of the year that's mainly but then later on we go down south some some of us do and jamie goes a little bit farther west well, not as rough a terrain but when we go down oak boga it's completely different so yeah yeah more swampy but mm-hmm. the first part of the season yes black war is mountainous and it's rough most of it so. yeah yeah, and and it's low deer densities. There's yes. not a lot of deer in there, and so it's probably the, about the lowest in the state, I would imagine, for public land. Mm-hmm. And and you see guys who see y'all's pictures, and they're like, "Oh, we need to go out there. That's where we need to go. That's where all the big boys are at." Yeah. It's like I don't know, man. Yeah, they get their heart broke pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or they're if you're going to see a deer, you could get your heart broke. I yeah, mean, yeah. Cause it's rough at times. So Jamie, what would you say? I know, Drew. I know you're chomping at the no, bit man, to ask these questions. But, we don't have to ask questions. But I, I want to. I want to kind of set up. Set up before we ask the listener questions. Um, Jamie, what would you say for you is an average day as far as deer sightings? And what I mean by that is it, it's a whole lot different when you're hunting mature bucks versus just hunting deer. You're everything you're doing. I know for me, I see less deer when I'm hunting mature bucks. I see more deer when I'm just hunting, you know, sign and stuff like that. Would you say that that would be true for you in a low deer density area? Yeah, I'll just give you an idea. This year I bounced around on that one side on several different trails, and and I might see a spike. Might see a spike all day. That one particular gun hunt, I think I had maybe nine or ten does run through, had seen a spike earlier that morning. That was it. That's all I've seen that day. Mm-hmm. Just not, it's not like high deer numbers that you're seeing yeah. at all. And that's what I, would, would you say that's the same for you? It's very same. Matter of fact, most of the time I see more bucks than I do does when I'm hunting black warriors. So yeah. That's just the way I hunt. For some reason, 
the way I pick things, that's usually what happens. So I, remember, I do see a doe there's one trailing pretty close. So. Yeah. I remember talking to you, uh, Michael, whenever, uh, when I, after I killed my buck, me and you were texting back and forth. And I, asked, I said, hey, have you, have you done, have you seen any, any deer or have you had any shot opportunities or anything like that? And you said, uh, missed one opening day. I hadn't seen another one since. Right. And I mean, we're talking about a few weeks into the season, you know, right. it's not like, it's not like it's, you know, a couple of days later, it's like, you've been hunting yeah. and, and doing a lot of it. And so, um, I would say, man, for me, that's, that's the case too. Drew, would you, do you have similar experiences when you're, you know, really hunting for bucks on this piece of public? versus obviously like sitting yeah. in a greenfield or something well, like that. This is, this is my first year really trying to hunt a lot more public than private. Didn't grow up hunting much much public. Um, and so um, I grew up in the panhandle of Florida. And so I thought when we moved to Alabama, it was just going to be like just deer running everywhere. Because <laughs> in Florida, there's, I mean, it's just not. And so, but, but you get up here and you, you start to hunt these big woods and if you don't have the right mindset, what I've what I've learned this year, if you don't have the right mindset, you you can sit for a long time and not see anything, you know. Or, you know, you can also it kind of tricks you too because you can be driving the roads, um, and you you see does and you're like, oh man, yeah, oh man, yeah, yeah, you know. And then you go sit and like you don't see a buck for weeks, weeks, you know. And so um, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you guys was what, um, how do you keep that. How do you keep that drive? Because I know, just like Parker said, we're, we're getting down towards the end. I know y'all are tagged out. We're still trying to grind, or we're we don't, know what, we don't know what we're doing. And um, but how do you keep that mentality of going in and seeing maybe four deer, four bucks the whole entire year, but but you kill three of them? Like, what's what's that mentality have to be like? Well, if you do that, that's a good year, right? You know, I might worry, but the, <laughs> my take on it is like just like say for instance, the one I killed with the bow, the nine point, that was about twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. tops so it can happen that fast you know mm-hmm. and if you're not there yeah you know it's not gonna happen yeah so, yeah 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 if you position yourself in what you think is the right place and you feel confident about your spot and kind of stick with it i mm-hmm. mean because it could happen but if you get nervous and you're jumping around i thought you could you know hurt yourself more than you would help so you don't you don't jump around too much then not a whole lot not a whole lot okay interesting interesting jamie What's the what's the mindset like? How do you how do you keep that that grind up, man? I I gotta go this morning. Probably because I love doing it so much, mm-hmm. and, and just been chasing them for so long. Um, but far I like not really jumping around, but I've got several different trails and say a core area I like. I run cameras, but then I uh, this year I actually pulled them all out except for one on the creek crossing. So I just jumped from this trail. Like one day I climbed up here till midday, and I thought, well, I'm gonna go check out the creek crossing. Mm-hmm. Went down there and set the rest of the evening. Yeah. Uh, but you kind of figure out when the rut's really going on. What what's your best week you like to hunt? And like that one day I went in, I think it's about an hour in there so i stopped at the creek cross and pulled a cart i had several bucks coming through one had actually come through about 10 o'clock at night and i said i sat there leaned up on the tree at the creek and i said do i want to hunt this creek crossing mm-hmm. with one trail or do i want to get on side this ridge it's got i think three different trails on it i said i'm going to the ridge with three trails and i actually let a pretty nice eight point walk that morning because mm-hmm. really ain't what i want to drag out of there or out but right 
Right. So there, there is, uh, and the reason why I'm asking all these, all these questions is to kind of give a listener an idea of what to expect. Like mm-hmm. what you said, it's a good dang season if you see four bucks. And Especially if shooter or shooter bucks, yeah. Uh, that's a, and for a lot of people, man, for most people going out on a lot of these high pressure, low deer density areas, for any bucks, mm-hmm. like if you see four right. spikes, you're doing good for a lot of people. Now, obviously. When you get years of experience hunting certain areas and you kind of start narrowing down spots and you're going to see more mature bucks and, and things like that. And, and like what you said, you know, you've killed a lot of deer out of the same exact tree. Mm-hmm. Last time you were on the show, that's what you said. You're in, you're out, which is a totally different answer than I would have given because right. that's not what I do at all. That That's something totally different. But, I mean, just to kind of bring that to a point, if you go out and have – Four encounters with mature bucks on this type of public land area, you're you're doing something right. And that makes it, I mean, there's a whole lot more than four days in the season, you know. Mm -hmm. That makes it really easy to get discouraged when you're watching. Guys, I mean, I've had more than four encounters. I've hunted Kentucky two years, so a total of maybe, I don't know, 15-ish days hunting in Kentucky, and I've had more than four encounters with mature bucks in those few days, you know, hunting somewhere like that, but hunting Alabama, anywhere in Alabama, but really these these type areas that we're talking about. So to the listener, I want you to think low deer density, high pressure areas, and apply that to what you hunt. So you may be in Mississippi, and you're struggling to find deer because there's so much pressure and not a whole lot of deer apply that to you. They're going to name some places, but I want you to apply that to your situation and not necessarily to ours because a lot of these tactics, a lot of the things that you guys are doing can apply really anywhere right, that we correct. go. So, and when I say I don't jump around, I mean I've got a mile and a half square area with different crossings or trails that I hunt. I don't mm-hmm. just stay in one tree for right. you know, three weeks, whatever. So right. It might yeah. be two days or it could be four days. It just depends on how how I'm feeling and how the tracks might look. Yeah, and that's, I mean, everybody's style is different, honestly. I, th- I imagine you guys probably have differences in the way that you hunt, um, And but regardless what the end goal is, is to kill three bucks in Alabama on public land, three mature bucks, y'all are both doing it, and, and very consistently. So what I did was I... Um, posted and drew posted as well on several facebook pages Um, we shared pictures of you guys and your bucks hey what questions do you have for these guys and so we have a whole lot to cover (laughs) um but it's kind of a a really good segue in from what we were just talking about about finding the right tree and things like that Mm -hmm. um i want to ask this question and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna kind of at random choose one of you guys to answer first and then the next one answer um or if you say yeah, i like his answer <laughs> that was good <laughs> then, then that'll, be, that'll be fine and i'll let drew ask some questions too but talking about stand locations we're going to just dive right into this talking about stand locations jamie how are you making the decision to sit at a particular place to find a particular tree to hunt that day for whether it be a specific buck or um, maybe you just you just know there's a big buck in the area and you want to try to figure it out. What are the things that you 
kind of your your process in figuring out which place to go to? That probably comes from a lot of preseason scouting, looking for the trails. Like right now, uh, season's about to roll out. A lot of your trails will be more visible. Um, I like to go in, scratch some of the leaves back, see if there's actually tracks going both directions. I have had uh, taken, because I know I'm coming back, I'll rake all the leaves out of a trail just to see if I can see which way they're coming, how much they're actually traveling in it. Um, but like the ridge I was talking about, it's got multiple trails on it. I just try to get in between those so I can, I can kind of catch all three trails, watch them. Um, are you, are you obviously, to be as successful as you are, are you doing anything um, based on wind direction? Um, do you pay attention to like the leeward side of ridges, um, like the opposite end of the, the way the wind's kind of blowing over it? Do you pay any attention to that stuff? Yeah, if I'm bow hunting, I'll try to look at the wind going in, but the way that mountain's twisted up, you can have a, a north wind get in there, and it could be coming out of the southwest or something. It just depends. Yeah. depends on how fast it's coming in, and you're limited on time to hunt. Sometimes I'm like, I want to hunt it regardless, regardless of the wind. Go try to go as scent-free as I can and get in there. When you say scent-free, what all are you doing? This year, I actually started, I was like, man, I'm afraid my shampoo is going to, you just can't get it out of your hair. So mm -hmm. the whole year I used that uh, scent away mm -hmm. on my hair, regardless going to work, going to church, going out, mm -hmm. whatever, because I, I, and. Uh, green bottle. Yep, green That's bottle. That's what I use. So yeah. Early in the morning before I go get up and go hunting, get up around 3, 3.30, take a non-sanded shower. And I was still getting busted a little bit this year. And uh, I think Hunter Safety System come out with a phone, and somebody put me on it, and I take my same shower before I get ready. I'll do that phone and knock on wood. It's done really good since then. Yeah, and that says a lot too. You're talking about because I agree with you. I think a lot of people, myself included, probably, and we probably preach this too, but hunting wind direction. That's pretty much the only thing I do. I don't do any other real scent control. I, I was using that stuff, and I was like, ah, whatever. I stopped using it. I, I don't think I've, I've washed my hunting clothes like maybe a handful of times all <laughs> season. Um, uh, but, like, for example, yesterday I was sit, I set up, and the wind was supposed to be going a certain direction. <clears throat> it was going the complete opposite direction, and it was detrimental in this this specific spot because it was going right at the bedding area, which I knew – a hundred percent there were deer in it at the time but my wind wasn't doing what it was supposed to do right so my lack of scent control probably hurt me in that i don't think you can really ever beat the deer's nose but you can put no you can put the odds in your favor yeah. at least a little bit um so so going in that and that was an interesting thing that you said jamie about you know sometimes if i just want to hunt it i'll, I'll, I'll just that. hunt it anyway um, I think a lot of people get really caught up on the wind direction. They won't go into an area because the wind is bad, which also has its advantages. That's a good way of thinking. 
Was there anything, any specific, like, buck that you've killed that kind of made you start thinking that way, or has that kind of always been how you've, how you've thought about it? Really, I kind of own how I've always thought about it, because good example, there's the top of the bluff. I like to, like to bow hunting and probably go back to it now that it's starting to get thickened back up, but I had um, for a five-point, he was really, really nice. He got about maybe 30 yards, turn left, winded me. I guess the way it comes up on top of that bluff, it swirls. About 30 minutes later, is an eight-point ungodly come in. I said, well, he's going to get right there at that log. He's gone. Now here he comes on in. He works the first scrape. I draw back, let back down. He gets in the next scrape. I draw back, and he's working it, breaking limbs, and he freezes. He does that quick look both ways, gone. And then after he leaves, I'm like, man, I could have shot him at 20 yards through that hole. <laughs> Didn't take it because I killed 11 point about 10 yards to the left. He was finna go the same way that one went years ago, down the same trail, same way, had a lane cleaned out, and I should have taken him in a scrape. So but, it's just, just a lot of just kind of experiences putting it together, seeing it like, yeah. This wind isn't going to be consistent anyway. I just kind of need to. They and I feel like these deer in the mountain, your your density's so low. They travel a lot, and when he comes through, you got to hunt it when you can. Because when once they quit it's doing their, their their pre rut, their rut, they're done. Exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. And you're talking about now, it's so hard to get up there and try to find one when it's over. It's over. Yeah. And, and you're and you're limited. And a, a point, another point, what he's talking about that the three trails or the multiple trails. You got more options, so there's, you know, one wind might be better for the other. So I, we always try to set up. You might be the same way where you got more options than just one. Mm -hmm. It's very, very rare that I hunt just a one single trail. So yeah. Do you do you ever set up, realize that the wind is just terrible, get back down, or do you, or once you're there, you're there? I've never, I've never climbed back down. On, really? <laughs> I've never. Once you get up, once you start once hiking there, these hiking these mountains, you get up on, <clears throat> finally get set up. It's like I don't really want to get down right okay. now. And after it gets daylight, things can change, I mean, quick. Yeah, once yeah. that thermal so, yeah. heats up and starts. And I don't know about Jamie, but I got to start, like, in the mornings, I've I hunt a creek crossing, but I'm not on the creek crossing. I'm higher up and probably got a bluff or something or an edge that's going to kind of hopefully they'll find them by me. I'm not on the bottom, because if you're on the bottom, you're going to, the swirl's going to hurt worse. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Stay higher up in the mornings, and gun hunting, surely back up higher. Bow hunt stay a little bit tighter. But in the evenings, I'm completely different. I'm hunting tight to the bottom of a steep hill where I've done scouting, post-season, whatever, know where bucks been bedding or find sheds and then find tracks. Because tracks is my key thing. I'm track, You can't – tracks don't lie. You know, mm -hmm. droppings and other stuff, rubs can lie, but tracks don't lie. Find the fresh tracks, know the big buck near if he crossed the creeks, you can look and see where he's coming from or where you think he's coming from and kind of make a plan like that. And then don't worry about anything else. You just got to spend a little time and hopefully he comes by. And that's interesting you said that. So uh, when you're talking about thermals and kind of the way you set up. I, I uh, knew you were going to go there. Yeah. You, I, you and thermals. I you, like. Um, you like thermals. Because so for me, when I'm thinking about, and I'm going to make sure that I say this right and I didn't mishear you and put it together differently in my head. You said you like to be higher up in the morning because your thermals are gonna rise. Correct. 
when the sun Correct. hits that bottom, right? So what that makes me think, because I'm, I'm not going to say that I, I would, I don't want to access from a higher elevation early in the morning when it's dark because my thermals are going to be dropping down into that bottom while I'm walking in. And typically where we hunt in these big woods areas, the bottoms is a lot of where they're feeding at. It's where the, a lot of the acorns and stuff are at. Mm -hmm. Now what you said would be opposite, but I feel like there's a reasoning and, and to kind of point us in the right direction on here. Uh, what you're saying is, is most of your deer activity or buck activity, shootable deer activity, I guess, is happening after the thermals have already started rising. Correct. Now, most of them, uh, most, I've killed one buck that's early, but most of them is hour or so after. So. Yeah. And all the way to 12 o'clock, the 10 point was 12 o'clock today. This year, really? So. Yes. Hmm. Was that, a, that was during the rut too, right? Yep. The 12 o'clock during the rut. I thought, I think that's interesting. How about you, Jamie? I know you killed one. Did you kill two of them in the evening this year? No, no. The eight point come in the morning and the ten come in the morning. Okay. Mm -hmm. How would you say as far as time wise? Like, are you the ten? See, come through chasing it. So I think I shot him at eight, and then the eight point. He was walking the trail. He actually walked the trail in that I walked in on. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think I shot him around nine. Okay. So both of those being, you know, an hour, at least an hour or so after daylight. And I would say the same thing would be for me. I don't, the big one that I killed with my bow was first light, but early season is just a little bit different. Correct. Um, and, and I was, I was in between his, where he was feeding at and where he was, I was not far from where he was going to bed at. So, um, I mean, that's to me, if you're hunting bedding, if you're hunting specific beds, that's when you're going to get more of that first light type mm -hmm. movement. But um, I just think that's interesting, you know, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of good intel can come from that of just knowing, like, people who are killing big bucks consistently, what time of day, what time of the morning are they normally doing that? Because I know for me, I always feel, I always feel like, man, if I get in the tree late, the sun's already started kind of, kind of see it through the trees or whatever. I feel like, man, I just screwed up my whole hunt. But without fail, man, 10 o'clock, 9.30 and 10 o'clock is like a magic hour for me. Um, and I think a lot of people put, they don't go into certain areas like what you're saying. They don't go into certain areas because they're like, oh, I know there's I know there's big buck in there and I don't want to blow them out. And it's already, the sun's already started coming up and I'm not going to go in there. So I think uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good thought. So that question came from J.R. Peebles about finding particular stand locations um and i don't think uh we got to you yet on that one michael how do you when you're thinking about specific spots what all goes into your decision making well like i said earlier the postseason scouting is, is the most that's the main scouting i do is postseason february march april leaves are you know gone and trails more distinct might find some sheds it's easier to find tracks than I'll make a plan on where I think you're coming from. If I can find beds, that's fine. That helps you find a creek crossings and then try to pick a tree out in the morning where I got some kind of cover or, or a strategic position where I'm hidden and be above them. So, so are you, you you're, you're scouting postseason, and uh, 
like right now I've been in the woods a lot this week and I'm noticing a lot of the fresh sign is dried up like I'm finding I still see trails you know find a lot of rubs um, occasional tracks but a lot not a whole ton of fresh sign mm -hmm. so when you're doing that postseason scouting are you mainly looking for rut sign? Is it rubs, no. scrapes, tracks, 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 droppings? Because most of the postseason stuff, and late season like right now, after the rut, they they're close to their food. And you, some people think all oh, the acorns are gone, but there's there's acorns out now because right. they're hard covers that they're protected. They got acorns they go to. It's close to thick stuff. They lay up tight, go feed, and go back. They're in the tight areas. You can find you can find out a lot about where they're hanging out their core areas like that. So postseason versus during the season and mm -hmm. preseason to me. Yeah, that's uh that's that's interesting because I've mm -hmm. I've in the areas that I hunt and and I'm not trying to combat what you're saying, but like uh, I'll give you an example. That's the spot where I killed the buck at in October. Um, there was a decent amount of deer sign in there in October. And, I mean, that October, if you're going to kill a deer, to me, I don't think Alabama, our, our lull is definitely not, it's not an October no. lull. They're still on early season patterns, and it can be, it can be some really good deer hunting there in that no. time. Uh, but there was a ton of deer sign in there. If I would have went in there for a post-scouting or post-season scouting last year, I would have probably not been back in there because I wouldn't have found any sign. Because I went in there last week. And it was dried up, nothing, not even a track to be found. So, I guess I'm trying to figure out. Well, I'm not saying that's where you're gonna hunt it, but that just gives you an idea of what's left, what's there. Yeah. And they use that later on. It not might be in October. It could be somewhere else because mm -hmm. they acorns fall different years of difference of feeding. Yeah. Big woods feeding is going to change. It's not consistent every year. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's that's good good information because. I think a lot of people think, oh, I found a hot feed tree this yeah. year. I'm going to go back in there next year. The yeah. only reason those deer may have even been coming through that area is because there was hot feed tree somewhere, you know, and it's not going to produce next year or the year after that maybe or yeah. whenever. It's not always going to be as fired up as it is. So it's like last year I think I taught we so where I like to hunt over on the, the east side. I didn't have no acorns in there where I like to hunt. And I talked to Michael, and he's like, "Oh, well, we got plenty of white, white oaks over where he was hunting at." And then uh, we actually checked out one spot over later in the year, and I was like, "Man, look at all these white oaks around this food <laughs> plot. I wish we'd have come over here and bowed and muzzleloader hunted." And that side had it, and then on the west side, on the forest land, I guess the way the rain come across the mountain that year, right. you could roller skate on the acorns in there. <laughs> and then over where I was actually like to hunt on the east side, it was nothing. It's mm -hmm. amazing because it's like that a lot out there. Yeah. The way the weather affects it. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, do y'all hunt, uh, do y'all hunt like specific, do y'all find those hot feed trees or are you just looking for white oaks? Hey, it, there's a white oak, there's acorns on the ground, I'm going to set up here. It's hard to find that magic tree because it's so many magic trees out there <laughs> when you got 90,000 acres of WMA and the forest is the same way it's hard to find that magic tree mm -hmm. yeah and to Bit me of. a mature buck is not gonna stay around a tree just sitting there eating 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 they're browsers and they're gonna stay on the move so it's hard to I don't worry about finding a magic tree yeah and, that's, and I don't want to be near 
exactly where they're feeding at when I'm going in. I want to be a quarter mile, half mile minimum away from it. Maybe Mm -hmm. a mile, just. Right. Drew, you got anything? Uh, From Facebook? You want me to ask another question? Oh, I I mean, I'm just. um, Well, one thing, Michael, uh, you you were talking about um, on that creek crossing that you that you use a bluff to funnel it. Okay. We have a lot of guys, um, and um, I know Jamie talked about it in a previous episode, about bluffs, bluff gaps. Could you kind of just describe how you hunt that? I know you already did a little bit, but right. explain what a bluff gap is for you, and then Jamie, also you can chime in whenever. Well, here, the main place we hunt is a real mountainous area, and it's got a lot of bluffs, straight wild bluffs. Nothing can basically climb it. You'll mm-hmm. be surprised some places they can climb, <laughs> then you'll have a gap in between. 50 yards, 100 yards, some of them's 10 yards, some of them's tight. You'd be surprised. And you just, like I say, you go around postseason scouting, maybe preseason, and find where big bucks. You just look for the tracks because they're going to slide every now and then. You can mm-hmm. take your finger on the leaves and find them and then make your plan like that. But that's basically a bluff gap. It's, it's something to help pinch you off where they're going up to bedding because most of the time bucks are bedding a third way down or three quarters way up. They hardly ever bed low or straight on top. It's where they can see down and winds coming over backs to them. So, do you think the bluff gap uh, style, I guess you could call it, or that tactic, um, do you think they use that for uh, kind of a protection? Because a lot of stuff can't get through that. They can't. They're not going to go. A lot of their predators, I guess, wouldn't be able to climb the wall or whatever. Well, they don't say escape. It's just escape. Escape on them gun hunts. If he's up high, you're coming in, he can slip down it. You never knew he was there. Uh, or he can slip back up. You never know he was there. So but you think, you think, <clears throat> this is interesting, you think that it's hunting pressure that makes the bluff gaps good. Yes. Or uh, a good spot. Yep. Not necessarily well, any other predator or anything like that. It would be hunting pressure. I would say hunting pressure on the gun hunts. I've now far as bow hunting them, I don't really hunt a bluff gap. That's yeah, that's hunting. good information. Yeah, right there. Yeah. That's that's money information to For me. For me, it's I hunt. I love the trails. Yeah. Now, if a trail would lay down a bluff gap, that bluff, bluff, that bluff gap would have to be covered up with tracks up and down, just wore out. Maybe occasional scrape at the top or at the bottom or something like that, but. If I go to try to hunt a bluff gap, it's going to be on one of the, the gun hunts that I know pressure's going to be around. Mm-hmm. And I would pick a bluff gap that I know a road bed is on uh, maybe half a mile over that I know that the hunters or a food plot, if it's a food plot, she's, that's money right there because you know they're going to hunt around it mm-hmm. and it's right. going to flush them down. So you're almost hoping for hunting pressure Yes. when you're hunting those. Yeah. So you're, it's sounding like escape routes. Like yeah. what? What other guys call escape routes? These guys are calling bluff gaps, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. and I, I'm just sitting here thinking off the top of my head of how how many times I've, I've seen those, you know, that type of of uh, situation, and thinking, man, and obviously, so talking to you and uh, Mike talking to you, and then just personal experiences, I've I have found those trails on those those gaps like that. Um, I give you a crap. Today, today where I was at, I showed you the picture of that the big rub. 
that I found in that line of rubs and those big tracks, there's a perfect bluff gap right there where they're using just get to get down to their bedding area. And uh, so that's that's interesting that, that you say, though. I think a lot of guys who – I got that question on here mm -hmm. probably more than any question because mm -hmm. apparently it hit home when you were talking about it. That was one of the main things we talked about. And we didn't ever really give a great explanation of it. They're like, what's a bluff gap? Right. <laughs> I've been looking for one. What's a bluff gap? Mm -hmm. um, but that I think that was really good. That was really, really good. Have you also ever seen – Because and talking with some guys um, that used to dog hunt it way back in the day, they would say that they would just just yep. off the back of them, just straight mm -hmm. off, just jump them. Have you, have you seen that, heard that, anything like that? I got one buddy, he – said back years ago when he used to dog hunt it, he would tell you how many bluff gaps are in one area, and that's the one the, the deer, you know, they key on one. Wow. And uh, a lot of times you talk to the, do the dog hunters, you'll have one, the does run down, and another one, the buff would normally slip down. Right. Hmm. That's interesting, well, too. Because if they're jumped in a group, a buck's always going to peel off somewhere. He might yeah. run with them for a little bit, but he's always cutting off somewhere. Yeah. So. That's interesting. So what you're so the the scouting is really what's what's being able to separate one bluff gap because they're not all yeah. equal. That's, that's no. yeah, yeah, that's what right. I mean. And that's goes back to the tracks. The tracks tell the story. So yeah. Now, is there anything from a uh, which one of the questions actually? I'll ask this question, then we'll go go into this. Um, do you guys use Onyx to scout and mark stand locations and do that stuff? This year was my first year and. To me, it was a game changer for me because I always would look at area photos, satellite imaging, or topo, what little bit I can read, and I'll pick a spot I don't want to go check out, but I never knew if I was exactly on that spot. Mm -hmm. So this year, I was like, I want to go check all this out. <clears throat> My first run was like six miles over, and uh, I actually found an old ladder stand, several different things I wanted to pin or, or slide back to or or when you walk that far, you're like, okay, I really like this. I can pin it. Okay, can I come in from another direction mm -hmm. and, and see if I can't oh, – matter of fact, I think I pinned one spot, and this was early season. This is before season in the summer, and it had a lot of droppings. I thought, man. But to, to access it the way I went, it was too far, and to come in from the other way was too far. And then I, I was like, well, I want to try it. And I cut down to another spot. And it wasn't far at all, and I'm right across the creek from it. Jumped up a nice eight, a blow the bluff, and I thought, "This is it." Mm -hmm. But yeah, and 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 to go back to that where he was at on the bluff, I thought if he's bedding underneath it, okay, I I pinned it where he, I jumped him, and I went around, got on top of the bluff until I got right above it, and I said, "If he's bedding here," and I actually made all they said on him, only seen two spikes, but it helped me to pinpoint exactly where I was at above him. Mm. If he was bedding below it, that's all. So you went around, got on top. Yes. So if he would have come up, yeah, I, I actually thought stuff. he. I yeah. actually thought that's he was stuff. bedding right under the bluff wall because it had plenty of brows. Yeah. It was from the bluff to the waters, probably two or three hundred yards. But he was tucked right up against the rock of the bluff, and the honeysuckle, the everything was there to keep him there. And I thought, when our pre ruts going on, maybe yeah. Especially, I was like, man, if that full moon rolls in, maybe he'll be out prowling around all night. I make it in here without busting him out, and he comes slipping back in to bed up, get up and browse. Yeah. I actually thought I had it figured out, and I didn't. Yeah. You had two spikes. 
Yeah. Did you actually find his bed there? I looked around. Yeah, a bed was actually there tucked under some vines, but uh, I should have paid more attention to the spike I seen the day before bow hunting. Yeah. Because I went back there the next day and anyway i should have called a dog in yeah i bloodied one up oh yeah yeah, yeah that's right i remember you telling me that <clears throat> um so are you using onyx too michael been using it for a long time yeah basically well i keep a garmin handheld and that's the first time i've used onyx it's actually a different company and uh now i've got on my phone and to reference what jamie was saying with the phone and marking spots you're saving that hard copy you can mark something you can see and then run in different ways. Yeah. I know a lot of people turkey hunting. They hear a turkey gobbling on the ridge. They, they can mm -hmm. look at it and pinpoint it and come, away, come in a different way to it. So, but yeah. it, it's very handy. Yeah, it is. Um, so, so talking about Onyx um, or for a listener who maybe is using a different app, there's other ones out there. Um, you're talking about bluff gaps, okay? Is this something that you can pinpoint by looking at a topo map? Good question. I can't. It's hard. It not all topos is <clears throat> that correct. You can you can get general ideas, but you got to put boots on them. Mm -hmm. to, I mean, and the reason I say that I've never seen anything that would look <clears throat> like it. it kind of seems like a lot of those bluffs and stuff are. I mean, as things shift in the earth, you know, it's it's mm -hmm. it's well, not they, they or rocks break or mm -hmm. right. or something like that. That's kind of how those are yeah. created, not uh, necessarily. That would that would have to be something like it to change but just when we're talking the big woods it don't change that much there's very little logging going on so mm -hmm. that part don't change and the bedding you got to tie in the bedding and the feeding between them to to kind of make a I don't know, it, make it when you're looking the at puzzle. the map part of the puzzle you know because you, you can look aerial and the topo then get your idea and go walk and see but yeah and, right. and what you said was it kind of seems like pretty simple got to go walk and see mm -hmm. i think you can find you can find a lot of bluffs you can find the bluffs mm -hmm. on on these and like i'm thinking of like a, a, a like there's i've seen some saddles mm -hmm. that could possibly be considered bluff gaps yeah, and that's that's a good point too saddles mm -hmm. is good so. mm -hmm. um but just as far as like those kind of subtle ones that would be good escape routes or that could be used together with bedding kind of seems like those are the those are not the ones that you're going to be able to find on a map you're just going to have to go and see them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. both of you guys agree with that yeah. oh yeah you gotta lay the the, the boot to the ground mm -hmm. it was uh, i forgot what year it was i actually had well i found his sheds and i found his bed he was actually bedding up above the gravel road and i put a camera up there and, and it ended up didn't i got a smaller book put my brother on it I went back down to the vehicle. And That's funny. <laughs> now, there was a smaller one, so I let my brother go kill him. I was chasing so, granddaddy. So I went down to the creek, and I got over, and, and man, it was one tearing them up size of your calf. Well, I got to following around, and you could actually follow which way he went, and I went ah, maybe a mile around through there, and you could see the rock wall, and it just, the buck sign just left. I was like, man, it's got to be a gap. So I got up against the rock wall, and I kept following around. I come back to the it was I could see the point and I could see my last place I'd seen the big rubs on the bottom and when I got to that point it was like a shelf about uh, two or three foot wide and it zigzagged it went up cut back I mean it was 
It almost like somebody took and made it for theirself, but it zigzagged up and it's like just a billy covered, goat covered up in tracks. Really? Yeah. That's so you you went up against the rock wall and walked it until yeah, until you found the sign that said that's where he's coming up and down. At. Yeah, I was like, this deer just didn't. The sign just dried completely up. I said it's got to be a bluff gap between here and where I found the last rubs at, and I kept hugging around, and finally there it is. Mm. Huh. That's uh, that's now, gonna be. Now, far as looking at it from the bottom, you couldn't see it. You actually had to get up there and hug it. Yeah, I'm so. gonna I'm gonna throw this out there, and you guys can take the credit for it. But uh, I believe that people who are listening to this probably next season there's gonna be quite a few more deer kills on hunting bluff gaps because mm-hmm. that was about the best explanation I've ever heard for it. Mm-hmm. What both of you guys just kind of said together, I was that's uh. That's good stuff. I know I'm going to be really – like what you just said too, Jamie, about just walking. Like the sign just disappears. I mean, a lot of times I'm just like, he did something, and I don't freaking know what he, where he went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mind doesn't go to, man, there's just got to be a bluff gap somewhere. <laughs> that's yeah, not that's, what my mind goes that's, to. That, that was my first thought was like – I mean, and, and, and just from hearing both of you guys talk, it's literally – you got to put your, you got to think like a deer almost, you know, and and that's where I think sometimes mm-hmm. I mess up a lot because it's like oh, I'm not walking around that, you know, <laughs> like I am, I'm not, you know, no. but I'm not a deer either, mm-hmm. and so um, just hearing that, putting your shoulder up against it and go, I'm gonna walk this thing, and then oh okay, there's there's a there 18 inch wide path and 90,000 acres, mm-hmm. and so that, them laurel bushes will hide a lot of that too. Yeah, them yeah. things are thick. The now, laurel, do yeah. you yeah. do you hunt bluffs anytime, or do you prefer morning or evening bluff gaps? I'm sorry. If I would hunt it, it would have to be in the morning or mid. You know, try Mid-day. to stay all day yeah. because for me, if I'm gonna hunt a bluff gap, it's gonna be on a gun a pressure. Right. It's either I know. If I was going to hunt close to private land, hey, it's the holiday coming up, or it's going to be the weekend. I know they're going to be hunting. Mm-hmm. You looking for? It's just a pressure point for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what would you say to the guys hunting national forests where you can use the gun? Same way. Same way. Because the national forest, it borders all the private land. Right. Uh, you know the hunting clubs. Right. Everybody. You know, all of our jobs are wrapped around through the week, so they're going to be there on the weekend, the majority right. of the folks. Right. And uh, that's, yeah. That's so I, I'm I'm kind of starting to put that. I mean, I would say that would apply to anybody, anybody hunting anywhere with pressure. And, and you could apply this really to even a flatland type situation. It wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it a bluff gap, but escape routes, you know, I mean, if you got a flatland swamp with just a small little area of dry ground for a deer to get through, not that they have any problem in water, but it would be easier for them to escape on dry ground, finding that high ground, just those small little areas that they can get through. I mean, you can apply this to just about any type thing. Bluff gaps, it being on a bluff makes it a little more, It to me, it makes it harder to think about to think like a deer, like Drew mm-hmm. said, it makes it harder to think like a deer. Cause I like to, I'll give you a good example today. I was in a spot and I had, dude, I had just busted my butt trying to get out of this area. Cause it was just bluffs everywhere. And I get to a spot and I find a little bit of mud and there's a deer track. And I was like, the heck's a deer doing over here? This, if I was a deer, I wouldn't be going up this thing, but it's a similar situation. 
it's it's the safest way. They know it's the safest way for them to get from point A to point B, even though it may take a little more effort, it's still safer. So I thought I think that's a that's a good a good thing to talk about. So moving in to something a little more specific, um, so you've you've found your bluff gaps, whatever, um, you found a reason why you wanna hunt an area or you find your tracks. Um, how do you decide what is a buck's core area, knowing that probably in the daylight, with the exception of the rut, in the daylight they're not going to move just a ton. Um, how do you, Michael, how do you go about finding, like saying, this is the core area? For me, the best way to find the core area is the sheds. The sheds, they don't lose the sheds where they're just wandering around. It's always when they're back to their core area. If it leaves at the food plot and you're you're in their core area, but it might be a mile away, mm-hmm. then you got to do boosting strategically. And I try to find where where I think their beds are and then look. So, in early season, when they're not moving that much, you got to stay. What you're talking about doing now is tighter to the bedding, and you got to get between that. And that's 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 the hardest. It's it's hard to get a mature one like that early because you got people hunt specific bucks. That, and that's that's hard to do because it's cameras. If you run cameras, you'll tell you night, 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 unless they get pushed out or something. Mm-hmm. Very rare in early season to catch them in the daylight. So. Yeah. But you Especially got, but you do. You got your – the times I catch them, most of the time preseason is in the evening when they're coming off deep place going down to the bottoms where they're feeding at or traveling to. Mm-hmm. So and it's always right before dark. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to right before dark, uh, for a lot of hunters, them that likes to get out of that tree, I really don't want to run that flashlight all the way out. Man, I would stay in there to ride at. When you can't identify it Mm -hmm. good through your scope, then start peeling out. Mm -hmm. I'd hang in there as long as I could uh, because if it wasn't for hanging in that tree on that lasting, I wouldn't have got him. Mm -hmm. I actually heard him. I heard a grunt and I seen him move or seen a deer move and the doe come up. I thought, well, maybe it was her. I don't know grunting. I was waiting and I heard a grunt coming. And uh, time I shot him, got down, uh, took a picture with the flash. <laughs> you know, I mean, I could see it good, dark. but time you set up her, gather your bearings, I actually had to run her off. Huh. Climb down, put a few things together, and then it was time, you know. But yeah, I wouldn't peel out of there too soon. Cause yeah, no. I always wait till dark before I leave. Anyway. Especially if you're hunting bucks, mm-hmm. like if you're hunting mature bucks, and I think most people who are out in the woods, even though a lot of people would say they're not, I mean, that's what they're dreaming about. You know, they're not dreaming about four points. You know, yeah. running around. Yeah, they may be happy. You got that limited time too, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that limited time of the pre-rut and the rut, and mm-hmm. time you run through that, it's over. It's, yeah, it's limited. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, you know I'm I'm the same way. I, I like to, man, I like to stay until I can't see a thing, you know. And then I'm gonna try to look through my scope and see yeah. can can I see shapes in this yeah. thing? Or <laughs> yeah, my wife gets aggravated sometimes because you know, I wait till dark or dark thirty just to me. if I hear something I wait till it's black dark because yeah, you know they they can see if they can't see that you know mm-hmm. like some people think. But by the time I go get her. It'd be hour after dark. <laughs> Where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Sure, you got you got any questions? Uh, kind of moving forward that you've been thinking about? 
Um, one of the questions that I did have, uh, Michael, was for for guys that haven't found sheds. You said sheds are one of the things you look for in a core area, but I know um, I've gotten out the last two seasons and kicked it every is. bush around. It's hard. And, you know, I'm. I haven't found hiding her hair, no shit. I think so, Jamie finds more than I do, but I, well, I, we find them every now and then. But it's 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 tough. But any anything else other than bedding? I mean, you you've you've mentioned tracks a bunch, and obviously that's your big. It seems like that's the thing that you really, you know, zone in. But anything else for the guys that are sitting there going, it's, man, I ain't found no sheds or nothing. Just like I say, looking for them big tracks. Some people like drive. If you got a lot of roads, you know, it's not. Especially dirt roads, you can if you can just find big tracks crossing, big tracks crossing the creek. You know the creek might be way in the bottom, but you got to just find out which way they're going. Look, and then look at your photos, topo maps, and then mm-hmm. you're and try to try to pinch point. But if they come off a hill, you'll find slides sooner or later somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I know both of you have referenced using trail cams. Um, any any specific thing that y'all do, you know, uh, put them over our trail you know, closer to the road so you don't have to go in as far and spook them or let them sit or soak or just kind of give us your, you know, how you kind of view a trail camera. I wouldn't overcheck it. Okay. Uh, to me, I got to check in one year. I didn't think it was too often, but apparently it was now. It's just so hard. I'm not going <laughs> to put it in there too early. This I put them in there really early last year. Now I'm going to just wait to about July, then wait. Uh, might check it in maybe August. Mm-hmm. And then one more time, and that's it. Because mm-hmm. yeah. all you're doing is really kindly seeing what's in the area. And if you got a good one, great. If you don't, I'm not. I didn't abandon where I killed the 10 point at, but mm-hmm. I'd pulled that camera out because I was like, this is just the same deer's coming through. Yeah. There ain't no what I'd want to shoot, but I went over there and the, the rut actually pulled. I don't know where he come from, but I'm glad he came through mm-hmm. because I actually let a good deer over a couple of year ago and my brother actually killed an eight point on his place and went 130 and I was like, oh no, I have let a 130 inch eight point walk. What about, but <laughs> yeah. But going back to the sheds, I've never thought about the core area. There was one that I actually, a 10 I had on camera for like two or three years and. I'd hunt in and mm-hmm. out, and I wouldn't see him. I'd see some smaller deer, but never that particular deer. So one year I was like, "Man, this long ridge, I'm gonna take the left side, walk the top of the bluff all the way around, and then I'm gonna once it dead ends, I'm gonna hook around, come from the other way." And it took, you know, pretty much well, not all day, but mm-hmm. majority of the day. And I, I found the year before, five on one side, and I come on home, and I. I Actually, followed the old the long ridge all the way back out to the vehicle. I says, "Man, that thicket up there! I guarantee this year's sheds laying in it." Mm-hmm. So I went back, didn't find nothing. But that year we had, didn't really have a rough winter. We had a lot of it was warm, a lot of rain, so everything was still good and green in them honeysuckles. Mm-hmm. The following year, I put a camera up there, and that's when I actually took my brother up there. We're looking. I said, "Well, the camera's right here." Uh, we picked him a tree out over, and I turned and looked, and there laid last year's shed, hmm. laying. I've walked all over it. Yeah. But when I actually found the first shed, when I went back to look around, mm-hmm. it was a giant bed, and where the bed was at, you're wasn't 200 yards from the gravel road. I don't know if he was slipping out there. Huh. He was laying there, and nobody come up the side of the, the rocks or to bump him. 
that's where he stayed or he slipped right in there and, yeah. and stayed. I want to I want to come back to that. Um, so I actually killed the deer on that ridge. I could see where I found that shed, that so shed, and I shot him awesome. right here. That's. Uh, Would you consider that to be an overlooked area? Yeah, that's what I was. Wondering. Is that why? Sorry. No, no, I was, I was, I was going to go to Mike, Mike about the um, uh, trail. No, it wasn't too. far. I, now, if you come from the gate, yeah, it's a long ways. Yeah. Either way was a long ways, but right there, man, the gravel road was. <laughs> so I had to walk, you know, make my way up all the rocks to get up there to hunt. Because mm -hmm. if you come from the gate, you yeah. can walk through all this thick stuff and bump you just him bypassed out. it yeah you're you're probably bumping him out of there yeah. have you have you seen because we we hear a lot about the overlook spot and um we hear a bunch of guys i killed him 50 yards off the road do you do you see that a lot in big woods talking it, to it, other hunters or, or or something like that yeah mm -hmm. because you have what we hunt up here in mm -hmm. the black warrior somebody from far off comes in hunting and they kill a really nice deer, and you're like, man, I put all this work in. I ain't really seen that deer. Right. And and it's where they're just going in. And actually, uh, one guy I know, one year he was actually going and watching right there close to daylight. This truck's here. This truck's half a mile down the road. He'd come back and get in between. He wouldn't go far off the road. He actually killed a good 10 and 11 that year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's a, that overlook spot overlook thing, spot. man. I think it's it's a lot of the the hunter pressure kind of conditioning and, and bucks really kind of keeping tabs on it and staying in the most obvious, not obvious, but best area. It's not because it, it wouldn't be considered the best areas. It would just be those like weird off the wall. He's just there because he's surviving. Yeah. type area yeah and, and and i think too especially here because you guys i think walk in a pretty good ways you know i mean i mean jamie you 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 reference walking that tra trail six miles you know yeah and so um so i think s s some guys get it in their head it's like okay i'm gonna start walking them and i'm not gonna start looking for anything until a half mile in you know but then 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 you also hear the guy that you know <laughs> did that he watched everybody else win so okay and then come in behind you and um, and so, um, it's just it seems like it's either I got to walk a mile in or I got to walk three hundred yards in. You know, there's not really any what what we've kind of heard is not any in between. And so that's why I was asking is that if if you've seen that a lot around here, you know, with right off the road kind of overlooked, you know, and Mike, I don't, I don't know if you've seen that. I've got a few spots now. <laughs> they really close to the road. Now mm -hmm. I can almost tell you. <laughs> I could tell you who was driving that vehicle on some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or what color, you know, the vehicle is. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't always go deep. It all depends on the trail, the signs. Okay, yeah. that's, that's what a, I want to ask you. If you put enough of boot work in, you know where you can go. So you don't, you don't, you don't have a set. No. You don't have. It's I'm going to go where I feel the deer is. Yeah. Right. You're hunting the deer. You're not hunting a spot. Okay. All right. And, uh, but yeah. Okay. And and Mike, just to kind of double back on that, could could you just um, um, with your trail cams, how how do you run them? How do you use them? And anything else you want to echo off what Jamie said? I use trail cameras and I keep them out year round, but I I try to put them where I don't think a deer can see them. They're on some kind of pinch point funnel, 
and I might check them three times a year. So okay. I've got some I hadn't checked now since first week of November. So, mm-hmm. but so both of you guys run trail cameras. Uh, I have not heard a whole lot of. I killed this specific buck that I had on trail camera. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that just is you're using for just to see if there's bucks using the area, but maybe not hunting specific bucks? Or are you guys using them to hunt specific bucks? I've killed one or two that's been on my camera, but it's not. I just happened to be on that trail when he walked through. Yeah. Yeah. Is that kind of for you? The one 10-point over I killed was on camera, but I was a quarter mile in a different place. Yeah, so you weren't really hunting him. You're just I knew he was there. Yeah. So so kind of looking at that, um, to me, what that says is you would think there's like each area has dominant, quote-unquote dominant bucks, and if there's one whatever, what was that, like a 116-inch buck? Is that what he was? The one, 158. 158. He's small, guys. Um, yeah, yeah, just he's, a little he's one. Just a real small uh, deer. Real you small. know, maybe there's not going to be other big bucks, but what I've noticed about these big woods areas, low deer densities, the deer are in pockets. And if you've got bucks, there's going to be more bucks. You don't just got one buck running the whole place. There's going to be several of them because there's only a few little pockets, you know, within a certain area. Jamie, do you find that to be the case? Yeah. Yeah. About July, I get more bucks during that time on camera, and then it bleeds off. It, it, it starts cutting in half, and then you're like, and then time October rolls around, you might have two bucks come through or three that what you would can say consistent, mm-hmm. that's your deer you're going to get to hunt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, not saying that the other one's going to not be back through, but that's the ones more than likely you're going to see but yeah i still think they cruise a lot yeah it's just like you kind of i kind of think it was like they know where the girls are at your girls they keep the same general area mm-hmm. and the bucks they kind of set up their little home thing and at different times they come through checking on the girls come see them they might have a little street fight or whatever with some other bucks when they meet up at night but they're coming from different areas so you're going you might have four four 150s and yeah, that, that busy here that pretty frequent. So. Yeah, yeah, so rut and pre rut. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I also thought it was really interesting too, Michael. When whenever you said we we're talking about the creek crossings, and you said you've actually backed up off of them a half mile, even a mile. Yeah, um, and that's that's something I had never really even thought about. But I guess in big woods they have to travel mm-hmm. for for everything, food, bedding, yeah. everything. And so, because um, um, I know I'm I've, I've been guilty of. Man, you find that rub, you find that scrape. It's like, where's 15 yards? Let me get up it, you know? And so, because you're like, that's a hot sign, and you get up on it. And I know, Jimmy, you you referenced, like, you hardly ever do that because you set countless hours and nothing was there. And I, I know even after hearing that, I'm I'm a great deer hunter because I heard that, and I still went and did the same thing this year. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting there in the tree going, Jamie told me not to do this, you know? And I, but, I, but it's just, you're actually having to relearn some things in the sense of, because public land, Going from private to public is a completely different ball game, and and so, um, but um, you, you see the hot sign; it's almost set up right there. Well, I know you you said you hardly ever kill one over that, you know, um, and and I so I don't mind bow hunting over it right. or bow hunting a creek bottom, but when it, that rifle comes out, I'm off of that. Mm-hmm. I might set on a creek crossing occasionally, but 
I'm gonna have to back off of it. And we've had it come from experience. A lot mm-hmm. of a lot of dry years of no deer. Walking over to my brother, my brother-in-law. What'd you get, man? I ain't got nothing. I ain't seen a deer. Yeah. Is that it when you get shot? And all of our shots was coming out on top of the ridges, and that's when I started focusing on the ridge line right there where it crest off. Normally, it's it's gonna be a trail there running parallel with that long ridge. That mm-hmm. military crest on the military yeah. crest, or the the old logging road yeah. type flat that's right there. Yeah. yeah, I actually saw that this year whenever I center punched that sapling with, with those does. <laughs> yeah. He actually told me to go in there. I set up on the end of that, and yep. they came right around it. And um, I, I, I didn't execute it correctly. But. Listen, I, I, I'm telling you this, uh, with the exception of the rut, the most buck activity that I see is not on the top. It's not on the bottom. It's somewhere in between. And it's usually that It's usually that military crest. And uh, so I think, you know, I mean, and when you start putting that together with something like a bluff gap, I mean, it's really... Like we talk about transition lines and you know transition from vegetation to different types of things you really have that with with terrain features and things as well those transitions that yeah. you have edges and stuff mm-hmm. ed- you have edges that aren't necessarily an edge you'd see from the map but you'll have maybe a, a bluff gap that runs into a, into a military crest and, and what's what it sounds like you're saying and correct me if I'm wrong y'all are looking for the places where those things all come together mm-hmm. and and it and it kind of ups your odds a little bit. You kind of made a questionable face on that, Jamie. You can yeah, say, no, I, you're wrong, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Everybody's now dumber for having listened to it. <laughs> no, I mean, no, you're right, because you're going to up your odds once you find it where it all runs together. That's what you're looking for. Uh, but what I like about that area photo, you can get up there and want. Okay, well, let me back up a little bit. Listen to some of the guys I work with that's got private land mm-hmm. and it's got uh, a lot of private land. One buddy, he, he actually had a buck and he's got several cameras out. And one night he covered six miles. Okay, this is private land. We're, and they their deer density is unreal. I mean, you would see some of his trail cameras. Okay. Take that mindset, he's, he's working six miles and he's got a ton of women, okay? Take Bankhead, deer density's real low. The spot I, I, I looked at on area photo, you got over here this green field, okay? I found this bluff gap right here, okay? I'm drawing a line, here's three more fields over here. He's probably catching this, looping around. You just got to be able, I mean, it's gonna take several sets, but mm-hmm. you're gonna catch him on that trail cruising yeah Mm. but yeah Yeah. okay you tie your bluff gap in draw your line from this food plot he may not be coming through it but he's catching that trail that actually feeds it he can walk around the ridge line there he can and hit any trail any draw uh any any saddle that feeds up that he he knows if a hot nose actually went over it at any time Right. He's done checked that. He can go down the bluff gap, do the thing, same thing over here. He can cover six miles in no time. Yeah. Until if any hot dough has crossed any food That's plot, good, yeah. any any of it. Uh, yeah. hmm. Huh. So, kind of, man, I, we could we could honestly just keep going. 
I feel like we just got started and we had we didn't like we've been talking for an hour and fifteen minutes. Um, but I, I've got one more thing that's going to kind of cover a lot of topics in this, um, and maybe even a little bit of what uh, what you guys have already talked about. Um, and if so, we can kind of just reiterate stuff. But uh, this guy Logan Martz is his name. Uh, he said this. I'm just going to read his question word for word. This is a simple question of how did you kill them, which is he's referring to your bucks from this year. How did you kill them? Was it in relation to doe bedding? Was it an exit trail of a buck bed? Was it over food? Were you scouting in season or out of season to find these spots? What made you think, I need to set up there? Did you run trail cameras, and did you know these deer were here? So let me ask you this, uh, and we'll start, and I'm going to kind of just really simply ask you this because we already covered a lot of this, but um, Mike, your your bucks that you killed, did you know any of these deer were there? No. Do you have any pictures of any of them? No, not that I know of. No, nope. I had a picture. The ten point, I had some picture of a buck that looked similar, but I'm, there's no way to tell if it's exactly him. Yeah. The nine point with the bubble, no, I did not have a picture of it. Okay. Jamie, did you know any of the bucks that you killed were there? Nope. None. Wow. Okay. I had one trail camera sent to me a picture of him that uh, okay. guy I got to talking with, real good guy, friend. He's actually a friend now. I, I would call him a friend because yeah. when he got sharing stuff with me in the area, I went been hunting for years and or hunted for years and got away from it and then got back to hunting it again and and he actually his uh, release messed up on him and when I sent him a picture of the deer the day or actually right after I shot him and got down sent it to him he says he sent it <laughs> I can't remember if he sent yeah he sent the trail camera picture to me is this him and when I seen that beam I said yeah that's him that's him that's him <laughs> but that's just an old spot I went back to and actually hunted just a little bit different um where I was hunting at, I was back this side of a saddle, and I actually had a spike come running. I should have paid more attention to what the spike was doing that morning because he come through with his nose to the ground, went through the thickets, up and down, went around, left. 30 minutes later, he comes back, back through the thickets, nose on the ground. And it didn't dawn on me till I went and hunted the top of the bluff and the next day when I said I'm gonna hunt back over that sign looks really good I said but I'm gonna hunt that saddle when I broke over in that saddle at daybreak I had a four point come through seven point come through they locked up first time I got to hear a snort wheeze right in front of me nine o'clock had two really good bucks come in busting on on the dough and that's just going back hunting old spots just a little different way yeah that's That's, six bucks with no yeah trail camp picks that's That's uh and that that's that's pretty interesting. <clears throat> a, lot, a lot of people kind of get zoned in. They get them in velvet on camera. Uh-huh. They think I got them. I got them. I got them. Well, as soon as that velvet they're a bit off, they make a change. You know, mm-hmm. it might be half a mile, might be a mile, but they're making a change. So, mm. I had somebody speaking. That you kind of reminded me of this. I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but after I killed that eight point this year, uh, I had a guy send me a message. He said, "Hey, I think I know around about where you were hunting at." And I said, "Okay." I said, if you, I mean, if you guess it, I can tell you you're close. And uh, he sent me a picture of that buck in velvet, and it was like 100% that buck. <laughs> and I was like, he said, are you hunting this? Like, he said, I'll tell you where I got this picture at. He said, it was right here on County Road so-and-so-and-so. And 
tells me where it's at, so I pull it up and look at it on my map. I mean, it was less than a mile away from where I killed him at. I was like, yeah, that's that same buck. And he said, man, he said, I'm pretty sure my son missed that buck the week before. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's cool. I mean, kind of having those conversations with people. Right. You know, you get you make friendships mm-hmm. that way, and, you know, you, fi- you start finding out people are hunting the same areas, and you right. can, instead of being jerk about it, you can help each other, right. which mm-hmm. is which is a whole lot of fun. That's one of my favorite parts about public land. Okay, so you didn't know that those deer were in the area. Um, I'll ask you this first since we started with Mike a while ago. Um, what was, and you can pick the biggest one if you want to, um, one of your, you, the biggest buck that you killed this year. Um, what was, was it a bluff gap? Was it a bedding area? Was it a doe bedding area? Was it just dumb luck and it was the rut? What was your tactic kind of that you think, I, this is why I killed this buck? I've hunted this particular area for several years seen deer seen how they travel and it's actually got uh say five or six benches running down it's really steep i'm hunting the upper bench and i've seen how they come across and just and i know what weeks i i feel like it's best for me that i've seen them chase and i was just in there actually had it looked like four or five different bucks chasing the same doe on the other ridge and Man, I can called. I grunted, trying, and and I think maybe one of them heard me. I don't. I don't know. An hour later, I could hear a deer coming up, and it actually was the ten I killed. But I've hunted a couple more times and seen a few more bucks in there also. But it's just hunting an old area and just experience, I guess, staying yeah. in that area. Yeah. All right. So the the big wide buck you killed with your bow. What was the if you had to give it to one thing, what would you say? This is this is why why I went in there, and this is why I killed it. It's a creek crossing that's close to a pinch point above Bluff Gap. Okay. She come across the creek first, which I was probably 150 yards above it with the boat. So, so mm-hmm. creek crossing during the rut mm-hmm. in a pinch point. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, That's uh, I mean, that kind of breaks down all of those questions, honestly. Because mm-hmm. um, we already covered a whole lot of what this guy. I just remember, I remember looking at when he when he posted this. Mm-hmm. I remember being like, man, that's a lot of good stuff. But we covered a lot of it. Um, okay, so uh, one last thing for the for the guys who who love gear. Are you guys gear junkies, Michael? Are you a gear junkie? Or are you a kind of a minimalist? I carry a bunch of stuff with me if that's what we're talking about. Yeah. I'm not – I've tried – I get comfortable with, like, the bow. I've got, oh, 10 years old maybe, and guns. I don't try to change. I don't know the newfangled guy, but unless it's something I know will work. But I've got a backpack full of stuff I keep with me. So. What is your – what would you say is your number one favorite piece of gear? Range finder. That's a good one. So, so you're you're kind of a practical guy. You're not. It's not like you're going to be out there with a bunch of gimmicky things. You like practical gear. No, yeah, range finder, grunt call, can call, rattling horns, gloves, you say climber, two knives. Freak out! I have a climber. <laughs> I got a climber, but I got a backpack just as heavy as a climber. Yeah. <laughs> my life, my new life's goal is to get Michael Perry and Jamie McKay hunting out of a saddle. That's my new life goal. All right, Jamie, what's your uh, What's your favorite piece of gear? Hmm. 
I don't know. I'm pretty simple too. Just give me my grunt call, can call. If I've left one of them, oh man, I'm, it ain't a very good day. Yeah. It's interesting both of you say can call because it's not something everybody carries. I don't carry one. Uh, yeah, I don't. I guarantee you my wife's got one and a grunt. She carries just a little bitty fanny pack, but there's a grunt call and a can call in there. Okay. And when the time's fine. right, that baby works. My yes. brother, my brother, he, he actually called one or two up up our bow hunting. I had one with me, and I was like, man, I have never called one up with this can call. And I was over in the wilderness area that day, and I seen one coming down. He went down that, that little draw, hit the creek. I was like, man. And I could roll, I, as soon as it quit, man, I was rolling it again. And it was like watching a hunting video. He's bobbing his head under the limbs coming to me. <laughs> and after that, I've been hooked. And, and, and it actually, if you do it right, I killed, uh, well, another good nine point down at uh, Murphy. And I know it come to it. It, it was uh, a late season hunt, which their ruts in January bleeds down. You know, you still got it a month long. It's just sporadic when the does come in. But hit that can call grunt sequence and just, you know, a little bit before dark, I could hear something come up the ridge and he come right up there to me. Huh. I mm. think he ended up being 17 or so on the inside spread. Really nice deer. And, uh, you them, know, I them, can't. Them two right there, my limb saw, and I'm good. And yeah, my summit. I got limb saw. <laughs> and the summit. <laughs> Listen to this guy. Summit. Summit. Uh, I, so, I don't know. I can't for the life of me think of why I don't use a can call anymore. I used to. I used to, to yeah. And, used and there to. wasn't, I wasn't against them or anything. I don't know why I don't use one. I just don't ever take one. Yeah. That's a. First, second week in December in the area you're in. Yeah, I know. It'd it. be a magic tool. I know it. I need to do that. I think I. I got rid of mine because I put it in my fanny pack, and every time I'd walk it, eh, 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 you know, so I was like, well, got to take a tape off that hole. <laughs> um, what kind of bow do you shoot, Jamie? Bowtech. Bowtech. Are you a bow snob? Are you like a get a new bow every two years, every year? Man, no. Uh, my guardian, I don't forget how old it was, and it cracked a limb. I used it all that year, and I was like, man, I'm, I need to go get it checked out, and then they don't make the split limb no more so they actually replaced it with another Bowtech of choice and anyway I think I went with a carbon icon I don't know how old it is now but even though my brother's got the archery shop I don't swap up a lot when I find something that works good if it ain't broke don't, don't fix, fix, don't fix that's it right. that's so uh, the reason I want to wrap it up with this uh, the reason I say that because I knew I, I kind of assumed both you guys were kind of like this and I've had an interesting thought this year. I actually just traded a uh, a deer rifle that I just bought. It's brand new. I mean, pretty pretty dang new. I bought it used, but it was pretty new, very minimal usage. I just bought it, and I never used it. I kept taking my thirty out six man that I got when I was like ten. It's old. My dad bought it from a pawn shop for me, and it's killed a ton of deer. It's killed a lot of deer. And so I've, I've had this interesting thought, talk, thinking about gear. I went to the ATA show, a bunch of people telling you you can't kill deer without using this crap, whatever. Um, it just seems real gimmicky. And I thought, I wonder what these guys are doing. So two of the guys that, that I would say are probably some of the most successful people I've run across on southern public land, as far as that goes, hunters. Um, I wonder if these guys are like, what kind of gear they're using and i assumed it would be probably just whatever you found that works if it don't if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah well, there's nothing wrong with getting new stuff that's what you want yeah. to do but i just feel comfortable 30 out six you said that that's what i use though 
a grizzly bear over there, 30 out six. You know, moose, 30 out six. It's just, mm -hmm. I love it. And I'm not, I got a 300 mag, I use every now and then, but it's the same thing. It's just hopped up a little bit more, but I'm I, not a creed more or anything like that. That's just. I just think people get so caught up on, if I want to kill, if I want to kill deer, I got to have the best, right. the best everything. And you end up spending so much money and concentrating on doing that and not concentrating on what some of the stuff that we're talking about, the things that really do matter right. in killing big bucks. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is as long as I sight my rifle in, it's going to shoot my $150 or whatever. It probably couldn't get $150 out of it right now. It's going to shoot just as good as a whatever two thousand dollar rifle as long as it's sighted in it's gonna kill it just as dead as long as you're comfortable with it mm -hmm. that's, that's what matters if you're not comfortable with it you're gonna have problems so. mm -hmm. well man i uh i would say good luck for the rest of the season but you know y'all already turkey done. season turkey season, <laughs> <laughs> turkey season drew you got anything else for these guys no no it's no, I'm gonna go back and re-listen to it and then write it, write some stuff down. Yeah, so. I think I'm gonna see if I can be a guest on somebody's podcast and just memorize what these guys said and act like <laughs> no. I'm real smart. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, here's what I do with yeah. love caps. I'll tell you yeah. exactly what they are. I kind of came up with this idea on my own. Guys, this, and, uh, this has been awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I mean, I, there's been some just nuggets, man. Just just real nuggets. Just really really good stuff, um, and probably. Y'all are gonna keep doing this. Y'all are gonna keep keep trying. Just, that's for sure. Yeah, keep <laughs> keep going at it. Do you have any spring bear hunts or anything planned this year? Not right now. No, I'm waiting to get the big brown bear back. That's the main thing I'm looking for. Middle, yeah. middle of summer, I hope so. That, that's a big bear. Had yeah. you, I'm trying to think if you had already killed it whenever we were. No, I don't think so. I don't think you had. It was because it was last May, the end of May. So that's right. Yeah. So it's not been a year yet. So, so tell us about. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to it's give huge. us the whole story. How big was that bear? It squared nine foot, 11 inches. So it's right at 10 foot, 900 plus pounds. So. Is, is either one of those from that? Yeah, this one right here come off of him. So that's, that's the brown bear and that's the grizzly bear. The one over there, man, it's a... I mean, that, and that claw ain't no joke. <laughs> that ain't no joke. That's well, big. It's, it's something else. It's in Alaska and... That's another thing. If you if you get a chance to do something different, it gives you a different perspective about hunting even deer, whatever is hunting something like that. It's they're the ultimate predator, and you're out there with them. And you kind of figure out how they survive and what you got yeah. there to survive. So it's, yeah, it, it, it's just amazing. Living the dream, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what's that? What's the the phrase? Uh, my my guest last week, Matt Powell, said it. Uh, must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> must be nice. Yeah. Uh, must be nice. We well, work hard yeah. for it, and then I like yeah. to do something different every now and then. And Alaska, if, no, if you've not been there, I don't care if you just go there to see it. It's, it's amazing. It's awesome. That's cool. And that's a that's another thing that we'll wrap up with. I want you guys to know these. I mean, we're sitting right now in a trophy room that that is as impressive as anything you'd find from somebody that is you know a millionaire in the oil field hunting high fence ranches and going on paid hunts. I mean, this this is impressive, man. But the fact of the matter is you're a working guy. 12-hour yep. uh, swing shift. So. Yep. You're not, I mean, you're not just paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on this stuff. This is public land. Anybody can do it. Jamie, you're the same way, man. You walk in your house and it's just insane, the, these big bucks that you've got on your wall. And you're 
Same. Working class guy. Yeah, I'm gonna work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta work tomorrow night. I go on nights tomorrow night. So. That's awesome. I'm gonna go try to kill a deer tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not. I haven't, I haven't been this week, so. I've been every day, and I'm. I gotta drop baby girl off at, at school first, and so. I'm, more I'm glad they don't move to later <laughs> in the morning. So. I'm going. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. On, I'm gonna give it one one last hoorah. I'm gonna go down south and. Uh, you want mm-hmm. I'm gonna hunt a late rut, which is it. And my uncle actually just texted me. He's down there right now. Uh, he told me a couple of days ago that it hasn't completely picked up there yet. So hopefully, yeah. I'm gonna be down there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They've had a lot of flooding. They've actually closed that twice, if mm-hmm. I remember right. So. Yeah. It's open. I, my, my buddy, another buddy, is, was down there this week, and he said the river's down. Everything's back to normal. Back to normal. So I'm hoping, man. I'm really hoping that they'll stay. Because they got a gun hunt plan, and that's what I'm planning to go do. So. Yeah, I don't think it's going to – another cold snap's going to come before the end of the season. I was looking at it. I could be mm-hmm. wrong, though. But yeah. I don't think we got another cold like, like we had a couple weeks ago. But if it's a rut, it don't really matter right, that much. Matter, but here, you know. Yeah, here it's going to be tough. Yeah. Sometimes in our mindset, man, it's hot. I'm not going. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But I got one nice and one day. It was like 80-something. I went anyway, but it happened to be in between. Storm fronts rolling in. and that right. Man, yeah. he was on his feet. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. That's both of them there I killed. It I was hot when you dragging out. Was the pressure rising? Because I've always heard all. I have no you, idea. Okay, okay. I was, I was just wondering because you know I worked off that morning. And I it was time to go hunting. Yeah, it's time to go hunting. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Sometimes them things matter, but I'm, I'm the same way. Jamie, if they're off, you better be hunting. Yeah. You know, you can you can tile that thing and try to plan with it, but yeah. if you're waiting on that, you're wasting time. Yeah. So yeah. I've killed a lot of deer on days that I didn't think were going to be worth to go out. Yeah. Well, that, that's how I killed this last one. I didn't. Yeah, I had an hour at the end of the day, you know, and it was like, oh, okay, I'll go sit because, you know, like five year old and a three year old, I know you got newborn, you just gotta go when you can. I yeah. mean, right. and, and you know, don't look at feeding times or moon charts, <laughs> just go, right. just go. Yeah, that's what we say. If you don't like the weather in Alabama, stick around. It's going to change. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. Well, guys, thanks a ton for coming yeah, on again. Awesome. Uh, Thank you. Hey, one thing real quick, how about that that uh, summer sausage? How about that deer bologna? That's yeah. where it's at. I've never had deer bologna before. Mm. That's good stuff. We get a promo for Weaver's meat processing. That, yeah. that, that ring bologna is good. With the summer sauce, it's real good, too. With about everything they make is jam up. we got a variety yeah. of it. That's so. some good stuff. If, you, if you've been listening to this, guys, and you've been hearing some crunching and chewing and that's that's what it's from. It's we've Parker. Been, it's all Parker. We've been tearing up. I mean, all y'all still got food on your plate, and mine's just empty, man. <laughs> and I was eating yours. I <laughs> started eating yours. I, I can't handle them, them jalapenos. Mm, I can't <laughs> handle them. Well, mm. All right. Well, that's going to be it, guys. Um, so good. So good. Trying to think if there's anything I need to close with. Check us out on uh, Instagram, at Southern Ground Hunting, Facebook, at Southern Ground Hunting. Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Find a bunch of cool content there. Um, check out Scree Gear. Use the code Southern Ground at checkout. All one word, all lowercase. You can save 15% on your purchase. And that is it. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.